that was able to seal the deal and, and sellers saw that and saw the value of that and, and went with it. Welcome to episode seven of the Nashville Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Swanson. In this week's episode, I'm interviewing Aaron Kinsey's with Parks Realty to discuss the Mount Juliet area. Aaron talks about how he finds out what the seller truly wants before writing a contract and how to be prepared if an appraisal comes in low. Some quick facts on Mount Juliet for those new to Nashville. Mount Juliet's a suburb of Nashville located 70 miles east of downtown. As of the 2020 census, Mount Juliet has a population of about 39,000 people, making it the largest city in Wilson County. Wilson County property taxes are pretty good. They're right about the same as Williamson County. And with that, here's the show. I'm with Aaron Kinsey's with Parks Realty. How are you doing today, Aaron? Great, Jared. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for jumping on here. And, Man, uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk to you today about Mount Juliet. But first, before we get into that, why don't you just share a little bit about yourself, how long you've you know been in the Nashville area and in real estate in particular. Yeah. So I, uh, I actually originally from the Seattle area, uh, transferred into Belmont many years ago <laughs> um, and Belmont kind of just brought me here and have stayed here ever since. I've been here, uh, I guess, gosh, going on 21, 22 years now. Um, so Nashville has definitely become home. I actually spent majority of my, uh, my time here in the music business tour managed some artists for a long time and uh, managed some artists for a long time and uh, kind of through a series of events, um, you know, I'd kind of been thinking about real estate, kind of the back of my mind, and then kind of the front of my mind off and on throughout the years. And uh, it was actually during the pandemic that it, it brought that to the front of my mind. And I mean, in all honesty, I kind of jumped in and, and took the classes to get my license um, somewhat out of boredom. Um, you know, my world was kind of shut down and I thought, man, this is a good time to get this knocked out. And by the time I got my license, I was like, wait a minute, I think I'm going to need this thing. And I've dived in and been having a blast. And, uh, this is, this is what I do now. Like I'm, I'm full on real estate and having a blast. That's great. And yeah, you've had a lot of success too, right off the get go. Was that a lot of, um, and I'm jumping ahead of things, but a lot of your connections, um, that you've built over the last 20 years being here. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, I was very fortunate to have a great first year jumping into real estate. You know, I know that's, uh, you know, everyone kind of has their own story and trajectory. And um, yeah, I mean, being here for 20 some years, having some deep roots with people and just kind of knowing the, you know, the landscape of things, um, I think definitely helped that. Uh, you know, it's funny at the front end, everyone kind of told me, they said, hey, it's going to take, you know, five to six months to get this thing going. And my ego said, ah, I'm not going to let it be five or six months. And it was about five or six months before it got going. I mean, it was a good, it was a good six months of working full time of not making a penny. Um, but then, then it, it kind of kicked in and, and been running ever since. I'm having a blast. That's great. Awesome. Cool. Well, um, what's, uh, what's a restaurant? What's your favorite restaurant in Nashville? I'll just throw it out there. What, if you had one meal, where would you go? Boy, that is, that is tough. Um, <laughs> Can I narrow it to three? <laughs> okay, three. We'll do three. Um, and you know what? There, there's so many great restaurants coming to town. When I moved here in 2000, there was, you know, next to nothing. I mean, I think Tin Angel had just opened. Um, there were a couple of others, but there was there was no food scene here in 2000 when I moved here. 
And today it feels like every other day there's a new restaurant opening. For a while I try to kind of like check each one of them out. Now I kind of feel like I wait to hear how the reviews are before I go check it out because half of them are like, eh. And, and right now, like my, my favorite restaurants have all been here a minute. Um, City House is up there, Lachlan Table. And uh, Folk over in East Nashville. Folk and Lachlan both in East Nashville and, and City House over in Germantown. Those, those three to me are just solid, solid restaurants, great food, um, great experience. Like those, those three never let me down. And yeah. they're a lot. Yeah. Good staples. Good staples. Yeah, totally. Totally. Cool. Well, uh, well, now we're transitioned to one of your recent closings in Mount Juliet. Um, why don't you just kind of tell us a little bit about the, the property itself, where you're representing the buyer, the seller, and, and maybe um, a little bit just about that whole process. Yeah, so uh, th this house was a really interesting one because this is a house that actually had just been rebuilt after the tornado of March of 20. So this was in an older existing neighborhood. Um, but the house was completely demolished in uh, the first part of 20 and had just been rebuilt and the homeowner who lived there when it was torn down, she had it rebuilt um, and, and ended up just selling it before she even moved in. So it, it created um, a little bit of a challenge uh, trying to kind of figure out the pricing of that thing. It was brand new construction, but the neighborhood, I have to go back and look, but I think most of those homes were built, you know, early 2000s. You know, so we're talking about a neighborhood that had been existing, kind of some older, not older, but, you know, a little bit, uh, aged homes at this point. So that made it a bit of a challenge, I think, for the selling, uh, the listing agent and myself to kind of figure out where this was, but that, that uh, I think, ultimately kind of ended in my buyer's favor there. Very cool. And what was the buyer, were they out of town or were they uh, local here? Yeah, buyer was local, um, actually had sold her house also in Mount Juliet. She was looking to downsize um, you know, most kids were out of the house at this point. There was one left for another year, uh, actually, I think two years. So it was important to kind of stay in that same school district for her, but she had a, a really big house in a different neighborhood that she just, she did not need all that square footage anymore. So we'd sold her house early, a couple months earlier, we were able to get a post occupancy and, and able to find this and get her, get her over there. Gotcha. So she basically was like a lease back on her, on her, the house that she sold. So she was able to stay there or did she have to move out or how did that work? Yeah. Yeah. I was able to do, uh, I think we did, I'm trying to remember now if we did 30 or 60 day post occupancy for her on that. I think it was 30 days, although it may have been 60. Uh, but yeah, just when we were selling her house, um, to original house, uh, you know, it was a multiple offer situation, you know, a good good chunk over list and you know some of those buyers had reached out their, their buyer agents had reached out to me saying hey what are other things that are advantageous here and i told all of them you know everyone who asked that hey post occupancy is important and, and so that helped that buyer get that winning bid and it allowed my my seller and then buyer um to be able to stay in that home for a little bit longer while she shopped and and uh was able to find this house yeah that's great and even 60 days in this market is, is a tight window to, uh, to get into that, that next one. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Um, did it take a couple offers before getting to this one, or did you come off strong off the get-go knowing that you know, we kind of had to have that happen? Yeah, you know, with, with uh, what she was looking for, because she was looking for, you know, roughly 2,000 square feet in Mount Juliet. Um, 
specifically zoned for Mount Juliet High School. And majority of homes there are just bigger than that. So the the inventory on anything I feel like we're looking at right now is, you know, next to none. And something under 3,000, 2,500 square feet in Mount Juliet is even tougher. Um, so there, there wasn't a whole lot to look at. But there were a handful. She did have an offer in on another house. Um, and that was the first offer she had put in and actually got that offer and was under contract. Um, but the inspection turned up some pretty major issues. And so she decided not to move forward with that one. And then uh, I think it was, it was maybe a week or two later that we found this house and were able to get her under contract on this one. Cool. Were there multiple offers on it or uh, how long was it on the market? There were, yeah, it, it was uh, only on the market for a couple of days. Um, you know, it was one of those where I think it came on on a, you know, Thursday or Friday or something and the highest and best for due, you know, Sunday or Monday or something like that. And we knew that there were other offers already in. Um, and, you know, this again with the, uh, the, the difficulty of figuring out what this house was going to appraise at. I, I knew that that was probably going to be a consideration for the sellers. And, and, Luckily, this buyer had enough cash to kind of do a really good appraisal gap. Um, so she was able to come in and, and really win it on that appraisal gap. Like I, I know, uh, or at least I was told that there was other offers that were higher than her offer, uh, but she had a little bit more appraisal gap in her offer and that was able to seal the deal and, and seller saw that and saw the value of that and, and went with it. That's great. And it sounds like it just listening to what the the sellers are looking for, what comforts them the most is kind of what you were able to do to, to win this deal. A thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan and believer of uh, picking up the phone and having conversations. Um, it's amazing how much more information we can gather having a quick, you know, even three, four minute conversation than you do in a text, you know, text and email, I think is great for, you know, specific data pieces of information, but we don't gather uh, Intel information, um, you know, through text and email. I, I think that kind of stuff comes through face to face or, or on the phone. So I'm, I'm a big believer just picking up that phone and, you know, and just asking, saying, Hey, what's, what's important to your seller? And a lot of times a listening agent will tell you. Yeah. That's great. And, you know, while wrapping this up, was there anything unique about this deal or, or something that you might have learned um, that you'll take for, for other deals or just something that was interesting uh, about this uh, closing? You know, I, I think the most interesting thing was, uh, yeah, I don't remember the exact amount that it appraised for, but I know that the, the buyer and myself were both very surprised with how high it ended up appraising. Um, you know, when you looked at the comps again in that neighborhood, again, they were older homes. Uh, this was nowhere near. There's another neighborhood not too far away that is new. And I think basically the appraiser took took that into account big time um, and really appraised it as, as if it was a new neighborhood. So that, that was probably the biggest surprise or, or kind of thing that I learned in that is, uh, you know, don't underestimate the value of, of other homes nearby to like take a look at that. Yeah. That's great. And I think, I'm not sure which episode it was, but we talked about um, appraisers actually asking how many offers were on this property yeah. and taking that into account. I don't know if every appraiser does that, but uh, it's good to hear that they are taking that into account because it's the market is 
what the market demands. It's that's what someone's going to pay for, um, and multiple people in this case. Yeah, yeah, that that is uh, <laughs> again. I, I think we often see well, not often, but we we sometimes see those appraisals come back um, much lower than we expect, which is uh, you know a challenge for everybody. And, and this was a nice surprise to see one come back higher than we expected. So, yeah, cool. Well, uh, well, as we wrap this up, is there any uh, piece of advice maybe that you could give to new agents um, that could, uh, or that you've learned, or maybe even something that you do on a daily basis that has contributed to, to your success? Yeah, great question. I, I love that. Um, new agents, I would say treat real estate as a craft, like hone your craft, dig in and do the homework to learn this business, to learn the ins and outs, read the contracts. Um, you know, I'm relatively new in real estate, but it has been mind boggling to me how many other agents I've talked to have been doing this for successfully for a very long time that really have no clue what the contracts say. Um, you know, I think as we're representing our clients, that's massively important to know what these things say. And it's been many times, you know, for my clients where something has popped up and if I didn't know what the contract said, it would have, you know, cost them thousands of dollars. Um, simply because, you know, someone comes and asks something and I can say, well, no, that's not what we agreed to for the contract. So number one, I would say hone your craft, like treat this with some respect and, and uh, you know, dive in and, and put in the work, do the trainings and, and really, you know, do your homework on it. Um, and then as far as just like life and success, I'm a big believer in um, just daily habits. Uh, I, I, also, I'm a runner, done a handful of marathons and not in, in fighting shape right now. But, you know, for me, a lot of things kind of come back to just that training system of a marathon. You know, if you're going to go run a marathon, you don't wake up one morning and say, okay, I'm going to go run a marathon today. You, you wake up and say, hey, I want to run a marathon. And then you plan it out. You know, it's three or four months out and you work backwards and you figure out, okay, how many miles do I have to do each day? You map it out. And then each day, you just get up and do whatever you've mapped out. And I think life is very much the same way. Like we, we can take a look and see what we want to do, where we want to go, and then figure out how to get there and then just go execute it. Uh, for me, that's uh, my morning routine, which I'm kind of in the process of kind of tweaking it and shifting it a little bit right now. So I feel like I'm a little bit off, but I'm a big believer in getting up early and having a routine in the morning. That, that for me has been, you know, the biggest game changing thing in life. Um, you know, just it sets my day, uh, kind of gives it the intention that I need and, and it keeps me on track to, to go hit those goals and, and live the life I want to go live. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I recently, maybe I guess the last year or so, I've been really consistent with my morning routine and it's just been huge. And when, it, when it's off that morning, right? Just the whole morning, especially yeah. if it's off on a Monday, it could change the whole week. So, yeah. Yeah. That, I, I get it. And, and I get it too. Like sometimes, you know, like I'm, I'm not a hundred percent on, on hitting all of my morning routine stuff, but you know, you got to give yourself a little grace when you miss it. But, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I'm saying like, I feel it. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Aaron. I really appreciate the time and, uh, you know, giving us a little wisdom and, um, you know, talking about one of your recent closings. What, uh, what's a good way if someone's listening to this and they want to get in touch with you either, um, to list their home or, or to connect with you on the buy side, how should they go about doing that? Yeah, I would love that. 
Uh, best way I would say is just reach out to me, um, cell or email. Uh, my cell phone is 615-566-5943. Uh, email is Kinsey Zarin, so it's a little bit trickier, but it's K-I-N-S-S-I-E-S-A-A-R-O-N at gmail.com. And yeah, we'd love to, love to chat with people. Perfect. And as always, we'll put that in the show notes so you can just click on that um, and connect with Aaron that way. Well, great. Well, I appreciate you coming on and uh, wish you all the best. Look forward to having you on down the road doing this, uh, doing this again. Yeah, I would love it. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Cool. Well, take care, Aaron. All right. See you, Jared. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you're a realtor and would like to be interviewed, you can email Nashville Real Estate Podcast at gmail.com. Be sure to hit subscribe to stay informed on when the next episode will drop and give us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. Thank you.